Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. This week we are discussing A Heart of Blood and Ashes by Neela Vane. Uh, If you listened to our episode last week, you might have noticed we said we would be discussing God's Grave by Jay Kristoff this week, and that was the plan. But you know what? We both had kind of a hard week, and we just felt like reading some fantasy romance instead of mm, fantasy murder assassins. So mm, change in plans. Um, But we'll still be discussing God's Grave next week, so... That's coming up. But for this week's episode, A Heart of Blood and Ashes by Mila Vane, we will probably be talking about sex in this episode. So if this is, if that's not your jam, which I guess that's a thing for some people, if that's not your jam, censor yourself appropriately. I'll start with our characters and locations, and Vicki will take off with our plot. So this week, our characters are. Ron Maddock, who is our hero. He is a Parsithian warrior who is making his way home for a gathering of his people where he will likely be named Ron um, or the leader of the Parsithians following his parents' death. His parents are or were Ron Ashev and Ron Merrick. Uh, Maddock is a warrior through and through. He is obviously super attractive and beardy and very strong and very talented. He's an excellent leader. Um, But at his heart, he is a warrior. And so um, Ron Maddock will travel with a dragon. So a a dragon is a group of six Parsithian warriors who act as his guard. And so his dragon is made up of Kalir, Ardil, Dano, um, Bannock, Facade, and Torek. We have Yavin, who is our heroine. She is Sissian and is the heir of Nyset, uh, which means that she has moonstone eyes that are unsettling for most people to gaze directly into. As Nyset's heir, she is the heir to the throne of Sissia, but her father and most of her brothers are standing in her way. Yuvin is described as being small-framed and frail, but her wit and intelligence are mighty. What she lacks in stature, she makes up for in cleverness. Uh, Yuvin's mother was Queen Vison, who is a really powerful leader. And as Nyset's heir, uh, she was also Queen of Sicilia and had the ability to see into the future. Yavin's father is Zaylin. He is a dirtbag who poisoned Yavin mother and locked her in a tower where he would rape her until she conceived a child. She birthed five sons and one daughter. Yavin's brothers are Bazir, Azel, Cezanne, Lazen, and Tizen, and they're all dirtbags too, except Tizen. Uh, Yavin, who was rejected by her father when she was born prematurely, was raised in the tower with her mother. And because of this, her mother, or because she was raised in the tower, her people, the Sissians, did not even know that a female heir existed. We have Anumith, the destroyer, 
several years ago, Anumith, who claimed to wield the power of the god Enam, the god of the sun, swept through the country, destroying everything in his wake unless people elected to follow him and the god Enam. Um, and then he disappeared. But there is rumor of his return. We have Vila, who is the goddess of warriors and the moon. Vila was raped by her brother Enam and now curses those who force themselves on others. She also demands virgin's blood as her due. And so when men and women take their first lovers, it must be on a full moon and it is called a moon night. Yavin has Vila's sight and so she can feel the goddess looking through her. Uh, major locations, we have the burning plains of Parsithi, which is home to the Parsithians and where our characters are trekking to. Um, the Parsithians are a warrior, uh, warrior race or warrior clan. Uh, they wear red clothes that reveal much of their bodies. They almost always wear armor somewhere, uh, though the amount of armor is dependent on the threat level, and they are always ready to ride into a fight. And we'll contrast those with them with the people of Sicia. So Yavin's home, Sicia, is in, is in the south. Sicians dress far more conservatively compared with the Parsithians. So they cover themselves almost entirely from, from ankle to neck with clothing, wrapping their arms and legs in cloth and wearing long um, frocks. Um, and this is supposedly to keep the Parsithians from being enticed by their physical assets and trying to steal them during raids. Our book begins with Maddox, the son of the king and queen of Parsithi. Uh, he has been commanding the army for eight years and has been an excellent warrior and leader. After a magnificent fight with a beast, he gets a message from the Alliance Council, which is an organization that was created to keep peace between the countries. He is told that his parents have died, but the messenger refuses to tell him more. And so he must travel to meet with the council to find out. So he and the entire army back up and head north. When he arrives and meets with the council, he is informed that his parents were killed by Zalen, a power-hungry member of the council and ruler of Sisian. Zalen claims that Maddox's father assaulted a woman, so he had to kill him. He then explains that his mother was executed shortly after for killing Maddox for killing Zaylin's oldest son. She was reportedly interrogated for months and then beheaded. Maddox is upset because he does not for a second believe the story. He demands vengeance, but the council tells him that Zaylin's actions were warranted and they forbid Maddox to harm Zaylin or his sons. The council also tells him that there has been rumor of Anumith, the destroyer, coming back and that the council must remain strong if they are to take on the destroyer. Maddox does not care and vows vengeance. That night, another messenger comes and tells him that Zalen has a daughter, Yavin, who is being married off to a different king. And he wants to get and if he wants to get revenge, he should find her. He is given her location and how to find her. And despite worrying that it might be a trap, Maddox decides to take his dragon, which consists of Clear, Ardell. Dano, Danik, Facade, and Toric to find her so that he can kill her, skin her, and throw her over the Sicilian wall. However, things do not go quite as planned. When he finds her, she is traveling in a carriage with one of her brothers. It is clear that she has been mistreated. Maddox doesn't really care, though. Um, he and her brother exchange words, 
and while he is distracted, Yavin stabs and kills her brother. She then tells Maddox that she will be his bride. Maddox is appalled. He believes that she purposely lured his parents to Sissia in order to be killed. Yavin makes a good argument, though. If he takes her as his bride and she gets pregnant, she will be able to overthrow her father, and Maddox can get his vengeance. In Sissia, the power passes to the woman, and Yavin is about five years from being queen age, and she can only take her throne when she either hits queen age or if she has a child, hence the plan of wanting to marry him and have a child. She also informs him that his mother did not kill her brother, but that she killed him with an arrow and shows her hand, which is missing several fingers, as proof of punishment. Yavin tells Maddox that she became close with his mother in, in the time that she was there. Maddox does not believe her and thinks she's lying, which is the worst thing that someone can do in his culture. And he forbids her from ever talk talking of his mother. He does agree to marry her, but also tells her that she'll be treated like a dog and that he won't love her. Yavin is fine with it, as long as she gets her throne and gets her father killed. Yavin gets to know Maddox Dragon a bit more, and they have many questions for her, especially about her appearance. She comes from a long line of warrior queens, yet she is clearly weak. She explains that she has been kept in a tower for her entire life with her mother, and that three years ago, her mother died after slowly being poisoned by her father. They also, they also ask about her eyes. She has moonstone eyes, and she explains that while she does not have the sight, she does feel Fila looking through her. Her mother had the sight, though, and Nivine reveals that her mother used to tell her all the things and people that she saw. She wins points with Maddox's team because she is bloodthirsty and wants her father dead. Um, Maddox's team is unimpressed with how he is treating her, though, so he decides that while he may not have to love her, he will have to treat her properly, but that ultimately she is just a vessel for his child and a means to an end. So they start traveling to the burning plains of Paracy so that Maddox can be properly named Ron of his people and so that they can marry. While they travel, Yvine becomes friends with his dragon, but still has walls up against him. He realizes that he is jealous and struggles with his feelings for her. At one point, they take a rest, and Yvine tells him that she feels wrong and cold. It's brushed off, but when blood wraiths show up, they realize that she is sensitive to magic. However, these blood wraiths target Yvine, and despite everyone telling her to run, she does not, and Maddox is forced to save her. Sadly, this results in his favorite horse being injured and having to be put down. Yavin feels awful, but does not explain that she physically cannot run because her brothers and fathers shattered her knee. Maddox and his team are all angry at Yavin, but Maddox finds himself not liking the way his dragon is being silent towards her and takes responsibility for the situation. Everything is going mostly okay, but Maddox, who is struggling with his feelings and attraction to Yvine, is super hot and cold. He makes her a bow and arrow to, um, to teach her how to shoot with her other hand. He also teaches her how to hunt. Then he turns around and tells her things like he could never love her and hurts her feelings. It's a mess. <laughs> Through all of this, they are being hunted by her brother, Azel, who appears to be dabbling in strong magic because he sends a whole bunch of revenants after them. They manage to survive and make it to Gugia. It is also finally Yvine's moon night, which means that she and Maddox can have sex. First, she wants to get a blessing, and the goddess Vila herself shows up. Instead of having good news, she causes some major drama. She reveals that Maddox was not Yvine's mother's first choice, 
It turns out that while using her sight, her mother picked out some men that she thought would help Yuvine be able to get revenge on her father. Vila tells Yuvine that perhaps she should consider Cadus, the prince of Gogia, because there will be great suf suffering at the hands of her father if she sta stays with Matic. Matic is not happy about this and is somewhat jealous as well. Yuvine stands firm in her choice, though. Vila isn't done yet, though. She gives Yuvine the very simple task of uniting all of the Western realms and tells her to be careful of her family, especially her brother, as he has started to worship the sun god. Vila also taunts Matic and tells him that until he has the heart of a king, he will never be able to protect Yvine and that he will lose her. She also gives him some lube, telling him that he'll need it for Yvine's moon night, which is pretty insulting. Vila leaves and is a bit awkward. But then Yavin's brother, Vizier, shows up with 200 soldiers. Matic is pumping up his team to fight, but Yavin urges diplomacy. They go to meet with Cadus to get his protection, which he offers. However, he also offers to hear out her brother. And when they all have dinner together, they realize that Vizier has convinced Cadus that Yavin is a demon and unstable. And when Yavin tells him that she killed their other brother, she shows his, um, she shows Vizier his dagger and Vizier slips up and is furious. He goes against the official story about Maddox's mother killing the eldest son of Zalin and states that Yavin did it. He also insinuates that Yavin killed her own mother. However, this slip up allows the council to reopen the investigation on Maddox's parents' deaths and gives Yavin credibility. That night, they're supposed to have sex for the first time and Yavin does devises a trap for Bazir. She knows that Bazir will try and kill Matic while they are having sex, so they set up another member of Matic's team to pretend to be having sex. In the meantime, Matic will hide, and when Bazir comes to kill them all, to kill them, Matic pounces and gets to kill Bazir. So it's great. He does this. He takes his head. He gives it to Yavin. They finally get on a boat to go to Tamara, where they can get married, but also where they're going to have to fight Yvine's brother, Azel. So what happens? Do they win? Do they ever get married? You'll have to listen to find out or read the book. Spoilers ahead. Okay, Vicky, what did you think of this book? I love this book. So this is my second read and I loved it again. <laughs> um, yeah. But I forgot when I was reading, so I remembered when we picked this book to um, do this, I was like, okay, I remember I really liked the main female lead in this. And I start reading again. I was like, oh, that's right. She's so awesome. I love her. Yeah. <laughs> I love her so much. She is just, I think she's probably my favorite character in the story. Oh, by far. Yes. She's a spectacular example of how... You don't have to be physically stronger, able to be a good leader and to be capable. And she uses, she does a really got, good job of using the tools that she has, which mm -hmm. is reinforced with Matic. He helps to reinforce that with her. Um, but the, the comment a lot of times is that she's so small and she's so frail, but she's capable of so much. And I love that that really gets showcased in this book yes 
Um, what were your first thoughts? Um, uh, well, this is also my second read. So my initial thoughts, I cannot quite remember. I did read this. The first time I read this book, I was just captivated. I started it on a Saturday morning and I think I read the entire day it's, it was captivating. It just drew me right in. So I super, super enjoyed this story. Um, this is not the only book in this series. So there are, there's one already out following this one. The name escapes me. Uh, it features some of the same characters, uh, but it also includes some completely new characters, which is cool. And then there's a prequel, which I haven't read yet. Uh, I, but oh sorry go ahead I said I'm sorry I was gonna say I had no idea there was a prequel I knew they had another one which is like uh snow and ice or something yes I had no idea there was a prequel uh-huh it's called the beast of Blackmore I think or something something like that I'm pretty sure Blackmore is in the title um and I haven't read it yet she I was just looking at this author's website today and she said she has about six books planned for this series so uh i'm assuming the path that we're going along is going to end up with us having a showdown with animus right i would assume that seems to be where it's headed although i really enjoyed that this ended in a happily ever after for our main characters and i hope that's like what she does in each book too so there's no like tension because you know they have their happily ever after. Yes, there's this still overarching, you know, like working problem yeah, of the destroyer coming, but it's, it's a happy for now, right? Yeah. Isn't that what they, I mean, we're happy for now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like we're going towards a war, but I hope that this is not the sort of author that makes you fall in love with characters and then murders them all in the last book. Surely not. No, I didn't even think of that. This is not the genre for that. <laughs> I'll be so um, upset if that I would happens. I'll be so upset. We can't do that in a fantasy romance, you guys. So can I just say the world building in this story is outstanding. It's one of my favorite, one of my favorite aspects of the story. Um, this author goes into, so she, she builds this whole mythology for these characters and she's got all of these different deities, which is lovely. And there's a, his, like, there's a story of the creation of history, which I love. I feel like you don't always see that in some of these fantasy novels where they come, like we saw this in the bone, Witch. so there was a uh, blade that soars and dancing wind. Uh, it's the story of kind of like their creation or whatever. Right. And I feel like we don't see, you know, there's often world building in fantasy books, which is great. It's hard to have fantasy book if you don't set up the world for it, but we don't always get like a creation story. And in this one we do, and I really like it. I agree. I I really enjoyed the world building in this. I thought it was great. Um, Really well detailed and thought out and stuff. Yeah. So I think the creation story is fascinating and hysterical. So it starts with, I'm just going to, I'm just going to read just a little bit of it. So mother Timra is the, the woman that helps like the woman that creates this world, right? So she breaks through the vault of the sky and pounds her fist to shape the world and other gods come with her, including her brother, Hanan, who arrives and 
he so it says he stood atop the jagged peaks surveying the lifeless land and wept with loneliness and in his misery and longing for companionship he had stroked his colossal cock until his godly seed spurted forth and mixed with his tears, creating the almighty Ajaris and overfilling the basin of the boiling sea. When Timra's fists struck the earth a final time, life sprouted from the now fertile ground, watered by his tears and planted by his seed. I think this is hysterical and also very creative. <laughs> I agree. I also like how later on, right, they find that old statue or monument to uh -huh. the god and it's sideways, but his um, penis is still sticking like straight up and it's like, oh, even on his side. And then you say something like, well, how else would he have created the, the universe? Yeah. Or life or something like that. I just think that's hysterical. Like so much of what happens in this world revolves around genitalia, which I appreciate. I like it. It's pretty, I mean, it's, it's funny, but also, I don't know. I just really appreciate that. What I like about that scene too, is it's huge. Yurene or Yavine mistakes his cock for a tower. Yes. <laughs> a giant phallus in the sky how great is that <laughs> I don't know maybe that it maybe it makes me like juvenile that I'm so entertained by gigantic phalluses but I love this <laughs> uh right yeah so there's that that I I really appreciated that about this story I wish that we had had like a chart yeah, of the gods and families. Of the gods and, and I mean, and the towns and, and all of, because there's a, a lot of, there's a lot of data there. There's all these gods. It's, I'm not entirely clear on what they're gods and goddesses of. And um, there's a bunch of towns and there's a council. I think a chart would have been helpful. Also, a map would have been really helpful. This is oh, the yeah. perfect book for a map. Mm-hmm. I did look also on her website. She is working on making a map um, for this world, which is lovely and wonderful. Uh, this is this is definitely one of those things that would be helped by having a map. Mm -hmm. I agree, especially because they talk about like specific, like really specific, like oh, if we go south, we'll go through, you know, this territory or we risk doing this. I was like, I'd like to see this on a map, like see mm -hmm. where this territory is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Agree. I still feel like really directionally challenged. Right. So like the words North and South and whatever I, I read them, but they don't register anything in my brain. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm not It's like when your GPS tells you to head North, like what freaking direction is that? Give me a left or a right. And when you turn on the, like you turn it on for the first time, head east. Yeah. I'm going to head to that light. Let me pull out my compass. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you can bet it's going to be the opposite of the direction you're supposed to go in. Yes. <laughs> my, my GPS is sitting there going to this bitch again. <laughs> Hold on. Let me find the sun. That will guide me. <laughs> 
<laughs> Stop it. Just give me a picture. Tell me to go left. I wanted to talk a little bit about their first meeting because it's epic. Yeah. It's a little volatile. <laughs> it's great. So, you know, he just found out about his parents and everything and how they're claiming that his dad assaulted a young woman, which we know is false. And how sketchy. I'm going to interrupt you for just a second. Mm -hmm. How sketchy was this investigation though? Like Maddox shows up at the E-Foreign whatever. And the council is like, we investigated it. And like, did you go? Did you? And like, this is a crap investigation. Clearly this is their lying. They are dishonest people. We investigated it and case was closed. Problems are solved. And Maddox is like, what? Yeah. I hate and everyone. <laughs> it reminded me of because they said they basically only had um, Zalen's people because, yeah. you know, they killed the rest of them. Yeah. How convenient. And yes. it reminded me of that phrase. We've investigated ourselves and found that we have done nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, continue. First meeting. First meeting. So he finds them on the Southern road, right? Because mm -hmm. that's they're going that way. And so. Their first meeting, you know, she like falls out of the, is kind of like dragged, but also falls out of the carriage with her brother and her brother starts taunting um, Maddox. And of course he can't do anything because the council forbidden him from doing anything, but she stabs her brother. And it's so great. She stabs him with his own dagger mm -hmm. and he's just so surprised. And everybody is so surprised. They're like, what? Like, so Maddox, his whole group of people, you know, um, her soldiers, everyone's so just like, what just happened? Yeah. Um, so that's great. And then she's like, well, I'm going to be your wife. Yeah. And he is not down for that. He like holds her by her throat mm -hmm. and she tries to explain her situation and he is not hearing it because he's like, you lured my parents to their death or to their deaths. And she's like, I didn't, I swear super super volatile but she convinces him which is obviously great he says your life will be as a dog's and all you will know is pain and you will wish yourself dead right so i read this and i'm thinking we're going into amelia hudgens territory first off i'm like oh boy we've got one of these that like alpha holes going on okay i'm preparing myself for like a whole bunch of like anger to come he's and she says to him you know like I'll please you I'll do whatever and so he's like fine we'll give me a hand job like right now and she does and it's so gross because I think she licks her hand afterwards and licks off his cum and her brother's blood and I didn't appreciate that yeah I was I mean that was weirdly arousing to me it's like I don't I don't like this but I kind of do <laughs> It's was, very bizarre. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. They do this dirty thing. And he says to her, stroke me as if your hands are a sheath that I would fuck. And her hands are covered in blood from where she murdered her brother. And so she says, a sheath, a sheath wet with my brother's blood. Does that please you, warrior? Blah. That, that oh. does not please me. I am displeased by I mean, it's just like I'm seeing Carrie and, you know, all of the pig's blood and, and just, a, I well, don't she know. She brings up rape at that point too. She says something about like her brother would have raped her. Doesn't she? 
Well, she says that he had threatened to, I think he had threatened to stick his cock in her mouth or something. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So, which I was like, that's not quite dirty talk. I feel like I would not be aroused by that. Well, he's like pissed off aroused. Yeah. And then at the very end, I love she grabs his beard and is like, don't you ever degrade me in front of your uh, dragon. Yeah. Um, I So this is one of my favorite tropes, I think based on all of the books that I read when women are consistently underestimated and then just end up kicking ass across the board. Mm-hmm. That's what happens with Yuvine. You know, they expect her to be docile, I guess, or just because she's small and frail and she has a limp. They expect nothing from her in her first, her first action. Then as they meet her is to stab her brother in the back. How great is that? It's fantastic. Wonderful. I love it. Please Mm -hmm. do it more. So I, I, I just really like that trope in Mm -hmm. books. Please like, please underestimate me. Please underestimate what I'm able to do. Let me show you your mistakes. And we see that a lot with, uh, with what happens with Yavin, um, even amongst the people who come to protect her, she just is consistently underestimated and I love it. Yeah. I expect her because she's frail to be like weak, just like weak minded and weak in spirit. And she's so not. Not at all. I, um, jumping to the very end when they go to rescue her, right. She basically has the gates open for them mm-hmm. already, uh, which I love. And they're like, Oh, your, your wife certainly, uh, beats us to all this. We come expecting to do like a great feat and she opens the gates, <laughs> makes it a lot easier yeah she's just she's just spectacular um the I was real worried after their first meeting I was really I was real worried that there was going to be like some mm, questionable consent scenes or things like that just based on how their first interaction goes yeah Um, and I was so relieved that that was not that was not a thing that happened. Maddox goes pretty, I mean, for him pretty quickly from being like, pleasure me to like kind of sensitive and thoughtful. And, and that's something that I like just about the Parsifians in general. Like they, they don't tolerate violence against women. Uh, they don't tolerate a lot of the things that the other people in these, in their, you know, the countries that surround them, like, um, mistreating people and things they don't have there is no place for that with the Parsifians yeah I liked that too especially when his men were or I keep saying his men but he had women in his, his um, dragon his dragon yeah so his dragon right they give him the cold shoulder a couple times mm-hmm. after the way he treats her so it first happens like at the very beginning right they're like can't treat her this way and he's like oh shoot I guess I have to treat her like a person <laughs> <laughs> And then after, um, when she wake, when they realize that she slept on the floor with the wolves Mm -hmm. and they think that he, uh, kicked her out of bed to do it, Mm -hmm. they give him the cold shoulder as if, which is a huge thing for Parisians because Parsifians, sorry. Um, because they have the, the whole thing is like, they speak, right. That's how they like express themselves. And it's like, that's, and if they're not speaking to you that's a big insult and like letting you know they're angry and punishing you. Yeah. 
So when they don't speak, that's up. Which I think is great because there are times where she's really quiet. She's just trying to process her emotions and everything. So he thinks, and all of his um, team thinks that they are, uh, that she's punishing him. Yeah. And, it yeah. and she him. doesn't realize it. She, yeah. I mean, that's just, but that's how, I mean, they're just very different because the Parsithians, they wear all of their emotions for everyone to see. They, I mean, they, they're just very, they're very vocal and which is nice. You know, I, some of their customs seem like they would be impossible to adapt to, uh, not, like not ever telling a lie, not, I, not that, that, but like just speaking with a sly tongue. So unintentionally, mm-hmm. um, maybe telling a lie or saying something dishonest at, at like they, they take honestly, honesty very seriously and they're very open with their emotions. And that is the opposite of Yuvin. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite of what we see in so many books mm-hmm. in general. Uh, it's always just closed off. They're always like trying to read the other person's face, couldn't tell. They're like, there's a flicker of emotion, but then it went away. I had no idea what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you can tell what they're thinking in this. Or parrot. I, um, Yveen, right? I love that she can cut him down with words and she does it all the time. Oh, yes. I love it. She calls him warrior as an insult. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, yeah, she's so good at that. And she knows too, like when to kind of do it in front of people and then when to do it in private. So when like um, they're eating at that inn and she tells like she has to say something to him in private and he's like ah they can all be here and she's nope they need to go and then she tells him how disappointing he is Mm -hmm. because he's making fun or not not making fun but um not appreciating what the regular townspeople are providing to the country and how they're starving and stuff like that how he's looking down on them and she makes him ashamed and he listens which i love I yeah. love that, that he's a receptive, even though he thinks, you know, that she stole or she stole, she lured his parents to their death. Mm-hmm. Um, he's receptive to what she says and receptive to being molded into a king by her, which is a point that's brought up a decent amount. Yeah. She says to him, uh, even if you are named Ron, when you return to the burning plains, you have neither the heart nor the mind of a king. You recognize no strength except that of a sword. You are only a warrior. Yep. Um, and in that scene, she says, um, do you always resent those you have promised to help and protect? Do you only offer your sword grudgingly or do you only resent them when they are not Parsithian? She's just calling him out. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a little judgmental, I guess, mm-hmm. of others. It's, I don't know if it's judgmental or if it's just a lack of awareness. Maybe it's just judgment because he lacks awareness of maybe the struggles that, because in this situation, he's get, judging the Gojian um, queen for only offering grain, but not having a bunch of soldiers to send to the lave, which is they're defending the lave against um, 
these they're called the Farians, people that eat other people they're cannibals um she sends grain to feed all of the soldiers but she doesn't send a lot of soldiers and so Yuvin's like look her people are basically going hungry so that y'all can be fed so maybe you should uh stop being so resentful of the things that they are actually providing for you mm-hmm. so she works to challenge his viewpoints which i love um uh, I mean, I feel like we're going to say this a whole bunch, but Yavin is just so great. She, for having only lived in a tower for her whole life, she has a lot of experience and advice that's helpful to offer to um, Maddox. And it's just, I don't know, you know, she's endured all of this really terrible crap. And she's finally found someone who can make her into a queen. And now she has to like completely revamp him. It's just like the work never ends for our sister. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it can't be as simple as just get pregnant. Like she's like, okay, I guess we're just going to have to overhaul your entire, you know, life. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to teach you how to be a king because you're not one. Yeah, but she works with him and she knows. And I love when we find out later on that her mother had recommended like not to use Matic, mm-hmm. but she chose him because he, she saw him offering his hand to the enemy, mm-hmm. to him and Jordan. I like that. And she was like, he's a warrior, but I know he's trainable basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he can be molded. Uh-huh. <laughs> One of the other things I really liked about Yvine is that so maybe it's just the books that I've been reading recently but I feel like in a lot of them when there's trouble between the um romantic the uh, partners that they're all like oh my god I'm gonna die without him it's so awful uh whatever will I do and she's just like nope I will get over this I will get past this Mm -hmm. I will harden up I know this will pass I will get through this instead of kind of wallowing right so there's this so there's I feel like like a fine line between like angst in it like a good amount of angst and just like being overly angsty and I felt this like when it it oh my god Mila did well I think Mila did really well with this yeah um because she the she wasn't super annoying about her feel <laughs> that seems so mean <laughs> I wasn't I mean was, yeah you're right though yeah and I mean I, I feel like that's really on brand with our character though, because if you think about all of the terrible stuff that she's endured up to this point, like how, literally what could stop her from going on? You know, she was locked in a tower. Uh, she was forced to listen to her father consistently rape her mother for all of her life. She uh, trained in whatever way she could with her mom's help. She had her knee shattered by her brother um and father brothers and father uh and then was whipped and almost died they cut off two of her fingers like i mean (laughs) she was constantly under threat of being poisoned yep it's in her blood to to be resilient and to carry on and so i i like what you're saying and i like how she responds by you know what i'm gonna get past it i'm just gonna build my walls higher Mm -hmm. yep and one of the things that I love that she says, I think this is after he tries to rip out her tongue or like holds on to her tongue after their first 
um, one of their sexual experiences together. He, she thinks he deserved no portion of her heart. And I was like, yes, know your worth. Cause instead of like pining after him, she's just like, Mm -hmm. nope, he doesn't deserve this. He's treated me poorly. I will come to terms with this Mm -hmm. and guard myself. Yeah. And here's Maddox being like, why does she have all these walls against me? How do I break them down? Uh, He is so annoying to me. Like I really liked him. He was a good hero, but there were times when I was like, ah, I hate you. You idiot. Like I just want to dick punch you. You were so (laughs) dumb. How can you be this bad at a relationship? There's what, so in that scene, it's after he, um, he's threatened to rip her tongue out. He just calls her a vessel, right? Because of his own insecurity. So he starts to catch feels and it freaks him out because he's a man, I guess, and doesn't know how to process his feelings. And so he calls her just a vessel. He's just really hurtful. He says, you're just going to be a vessel. You have to look somewhere else for love. I'm never going to love you. You can get love from our kids, but it's never going to come from me. Blah, blah, blah. Like he is really ugly to her. And so the next day she says what you were saying, like uh, he deserved a portion of her heart. So she builds her walls. She pulls back. She says, you know what? This isn't good for me. I think I'm going to revise my plan a little bit. Um, so she pulls away and he's like, well, why doesn't she want me to lift her up on her horse anymore? <laughs> she says she's not going to share his purse anymore. It's like, I don't understand why. It's because you're a giant dick. I know. And then when he's watching her be unguarded with, you know, his t- his dragon, you know, she's laughing with them, smiling freely with them. And he's like, I want her smiles. Like, why won't she do this? Why won't she be open with me? Why, why would she? Like every time she tells you something, she uses a weapon against her. And she brings that up later on when he's like, at some point, it's later on in the book. And he's like, talk to me. And she's like, why would I tell you anything when all you're going to do is use it as a weapon against me later? Oh, I know it's their first. It's like right around their actual, uh, when they actually have sex. And he mentions that he knows that she killed her mother but that it was unintentional and he forgives her for lying about his mother at the beginning, approving her, approving of her to be his wife. And she's so mad and so hurt. And I was really mad for her. Yeah. And hated him so much. I was mad on her behalf a whole lot yeah. while reading this book. Um, she says, so she has a conversation like that with him. Um, it's right after the incident with the blood rates, which I want to talk about in just a second. But he is like, why didn't you tell me about your leg? Because she eventually has to be like, yeah, my leg was crushed when I, yeah, they crushed my leg. And he's like, why didn't you say anything? She's like, why would I tell you when you make everything that I tell you into a weakness? The whole incident with the blood race. Yes. Was sad. Because the yes. horse dies. Right. Did you have to kill the horse? I, I that was one of my notes in the book. Why with a whole bunch of exc- exclamation and question marks? I mean, just the whole, and it wasn't even like the horse died mm-hmm. at that moment. The horse they lived. To, mm-hmm. They had to. I mean, they took a battle axe to it. Mm-hmm. Ah. Well, it was so sad too because the horse was like happy and prancing it took a while for whatever and it's like he wasn't riding his horse because he was like I won't do this last ride you know I'll take it I'll take 
They'll run together. Yeah. And the horse is super happy and getting a ton of treats and stuff. And then they lop off its head. I don't actually know if that's what they do. No, they cut they, off its head. They, they don't, cut, no, off they don't head. cut off its head. They take it like an axe to the center of its head. Oh, that's right. The skull. And it crushes. Poor pony. Yeah. And then, well, her other horse got eaten by one of those, by a beast in the woods, too. A freaking di- these are dinosaurs. You will not convince <laughs> me. It says they are giant reptiles. This is a T-Rex. She's talking about its short little arms. I'm like, this is a freaking T-Rex. She is describing dinosaurs in here. Giant reptiles. Tell me you don't think about dinosaurs. I'm pretty sure a drepa is a velociraptor. They talk about its claws and its pack. And I'm like, it's a velociraptor. Yeah, there's no way these aren't dinosaurs. D-I-N-O-S-A, you are a dinosaur. That's exactly what they are. Yeah. And I hate when her um, horse got, you know, killed by the T-Rex, I guess it was called a T-Rex. Yeah. <laughs> And her horse got killed by the T-Rex. They described the crunching sounds. And I was like, why? Stop. I don't want to know. Stop killing the animals. <laughs> I don't care how many people you kill. <laughs> Slaughter all the people. It's fine. Leave my animals alone. <laughs> also, uh, when that happens, so Maddox, Maddox is like, it's just a tool. Like she asks the name of the horse when they first get on it. He's like, it doesn't have a name. It's a tool. But then he's he's upset that his horse is die is dead, right? He's really mm-hmm. he is very bothered by his horse being killed. Like you can name your horse, dude. Even Geralt of Rivia named his horse. He named them all Roach. He had multiple horses and they were all named Roach. But at least he named his horse. And we all know that Geralt doesn't have friends and he doesn't need friends. So you can name your horse. It's gonna be like you're allowed to care for your animals. <laughs> yes and he pretends that he doesn't because it's just a tool but it was really interesting in that same portion where he was describing why he wouldn't name a horse he also says that like people don't name swords but it's like that's not true i guess maybe in this universe people in this don't. universe they don't <laughs> because i mean swords have names all the time yeah goblin. bow hammer yeah <laughs> goblin cleaver goblin cleaver sting mm-hmm. these are all i can't think of glam drink uh, are these all Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit? Yep. I think maybe these it's just all... Tolkien's universe. These are all Lord of the Rings. I can't think of any names that have Excalibur. Is Excalibur? Oh yeah, Excalibur is a sword. Yeah, Excalibur. Excalibur. Uh, I can't think of any other swords that have names. And then everybody's given her salt. I mean, she's been, she's literally been walking with a limp this whole time. And they're all like, well, she didn't run. How about somebody asks her like, Hey, Mm -hmm. why do you walk with a limp? Yeah. And then they finally figured out when she has to walk up and down stairs and she's really slow going upstairs because she's terrified. And then when she goes down the stairs, she just goes down on her butt. Yeah. And Maddox, like, she fell and she's like, nope, she sat down and went down step by step on her butt. Yeah. And he's like, oh, there must be something wrong with that leg that she always limps on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? You think there's something wrong with that leg? Brilliant deduction there. (laughs) (laughs) We've mentioned this at the start of the book. Maddox makes a vow. If Yveen talks about his mother... He's going to rip her tongue out. 
like ever. Mm -hmm. If she ever, if she even alludes to his mom or uses sly tongue, which seems terribly subjective to me, but whatever, if she even alludes to his mother, he's going to rip her tongue out. I have a problem with this. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) let's start with the fact that this is just terribly impractical. You're never going to let, you don't want to know what actually happened to your mom when she was murdered. You don't want to know, but also are you like a child? This is the equivalent of sticking your fingers in your ears and going, la, 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 la. I can't hear you. Mm Hmm. Yeah. Is so and it causes so many problems. I know. Oh God, so frustrating, so frustrating. And I was so mad when he goes to like rip her tongue out, like you know, grabs hold of her tongue, and she wasn't even talking about his mother. She's talking about her mother. Ugh, God, he's the like he's not in comparison to some of the male romance leads we've had. He's not that bad. But God, what a pain. I mean, it's what a pain. very frustrating. He's a, overall, he's a good, like he's very caring. He spends a lot of time on foreplay, which is to be applauded. Like that's mm-hmm. really nice. And I think he's a good, he's a good warrior. He's, mm-hmm. you know, very, he's, but it's just this one thing that causes so many problems. When if he would just say like, okay, you can talk about this. I mean, yeah. we wouldn't have a plot. It would take away some of the ends. <laughs> a lot of these problems would be solved, but it's still very frustrating. But it's so, I mean, and then there's this one part where he says like, oh, she would have the ring, right? Cause that's how, you know, like it's mm-hmm. passed down the ring if the mother approves. And he goes, well, even if the ring was stolen, her- he goes, my mother would have given her a message. When would she have told you the message? Yeah. She's not allowed like, to talk about oh it. Oh my God. Oh, but she had the ring and it was engraved with her symbol. Had the freaking ring the whole time. The mm-hmm. whole time. They make it back to the burning planes. This is what really pissed me off. They make it back to the burn. So hold on. Uh, we're going to have to scale back to get to the part that really pissed me off because it's a precursor to the next part that really pissed me off. So he accuses her of lying, which is a big deal. You don't lie to Parsithians. Parsithians are not liars. He accuses her of lying Mm -hmm. because she says that his mother approved of her as his bride. First of all, how insulting Mm -hmm. that he says that this, there's no way this could be true. This is definitely a lie. How rude. How rude. Uh, but he, and he has a big problem with it because if she lied, then she's not worthy of being queen or something. So the day they have sex for the first time, the moon night, he goes and he talks to his dragon. He's like, guys, I need some help. Like, I really like her. She's got a great vagina, but <laughs> she lied this one time. What do I do? And they're like, but did she really lie? Was she under duress? Because it doesn't count if she was under duress. He was like, oh, yeah, that I was threatening to murder her. And that she wouldn't have been able, (laughs) she wouldn't have been able to help her people. So, yeah, it was under duress. Yeah, yeah, I feel better about it. Okay. And he tells, oh, I was so mad. I was so mad. Mm -hmm. You had a problem with this too, right? 
oh, such a big problem. Especially then, too, because he's talking about whether or not she killed her mother. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, it was probably an accident or she feels responsible or something or whatever. And so then he goes back and, like, talks to her as if, like, he's this really nice guy all of a sudden. He's like, it's okay. I forgive you now. And she's like, what? Mm-hmm excuse me and then it's awful because she's really hurt and does this happen before or after they have sex because they have angry sex and it's not good sex this happens before they have sex right this happens before they have sex this happens before they have sex because then she's just like fine whatever gets on her hands and knees and is like just, just do, do your it. thing just do it get it over like fine um and he's like i don't understand it's like oh why are you so upset? It's like, not like I, I didn't just accuse you of being a liar and murdering your mom. Mm-hmm. God. But I do, <laughs> he like comes immediately, right? And normally in these situations, I would not be like, yeah, make fun of the guy for that. Mm-hmm. Normally it's like, no. But in this case she does. And she says something about their children oh my gosh it's savage (laughs) did you highlight it I didn't highlight it I I did okay let me find it really like it is it is so cold so she says um she so she's crying and she says no though if ever a queen had a reason to cry where someone might see this would be it for there is no greater pain than losing losing one's children and he says what do you speak of and she says um I thought to be content, we would have children. I would look to them for love and affection and they would be strong because you are. But now I know that the first time they ride into battle will also be their last because if they inherit their father's strength, they will only have stamina enough for one thrust of their sword before they falter our poor doomed children. Oh my gosh. Oh, that was amazing. Savage. It is so good. Yes. I love her. Mm-hmm. It is grand. Yeah. yeah. So that happens. And and Yavin's like, all right, th- th- things kind of get better. Like things get better until they get to the burning plains. And Maddox has to go before the council of his people and they have to interview him basically for the job of being the king or whatever and he tells literally everyone that Yavin is a liar (laughs) he tells her her that he says like yeah I told them you lied but they understood why it's because you thought I was gonna murder you so you couldn't help your people and it's and she's like what did I lie about? And he's like, well, you said that my mom approved of you. And she's like, oh, excuse this you? again, excuse you. Um, and so she kind of brushes it off. I mean, she doesn't brush it off, but she like internalizes her feelings for a minute. I mean, she's seething inside. He's like, but mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. And she's like, nope, it's not going to be okay. And so the next day he's getting ready to take off to go fight the Sissians because, uh, Yavin's father has caught up to them. He's coming to take her home, right? Mm-hmm. So he can probably murder her. Um, and so he's getting ready to go. And Yavin's like, oh, and by the way, uh, when you come back, we're not actually getting married. 
it turns out I may or may not be pregnant, but I don't actually want you anymore because you suck and you won't listen to me, even though I have tried to say several times that I didn't lie, but you won't let me talk about it because of the stupid vow. I was so mad. And then she pulls out the freaking ring, his mother's ring. And I'm like, oh, girl, you should have thrown it in his face. Yes. I was so mad. I'm hot right now talking about it. <laughs> it was really infuriating. And it was just, it was, just this, uh, it was so infuriating. The whole, like through the whole book, just let her tell you, just let her talk. And then when they have dinner, right? So this is now going back a little bit with Cadis at uh, Gogia, right? Gogia. Um, and she asks him, like, so her brother is accusing her of, you know, all the things. And she's like, give me leave to speak of your mother. And he's like, no. She's like, ah. and in that case, it works out. But still really frustrating. Ugh, that whole dinner was very, like, I got hot reading it because her brother is accusing her of all of these awful things, mm-hmm. which are lies. And people, like the prince, Cadus, believes him. Uh, the minister from Tola believes him. And she warned, what's his name? Maddox. She warned Maddox not to underestimate him. And at the end of the dinner, he's like, yeah, you're right. I super underestimated him. But I love this, this dinner because she gets so mad that she uh, tries to, to murder Bazir at dinner. She, <laughs> she taught, like she throws a dagger at his eye and she doesn't actually end up stabbing him. And I wish that she had, because it would have been so satisfying, but mm. she just, she nails him with the hilt, the hilt, the handle part of it. Um, oh, but gosh, that was so good. Yes. And I hate that it was so easy for him to convince these men, right? For her brother to convince these men that she was a demon. Mm -hmm. Like, why? Why is it so easy to convince men that women are unstable? It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's so frustrating. She has done nothing. Well, I mean, you know, she threw the knife. But other than that, she's really done nothing to show that she's unstable. Did you just pull this into like a real life situation? Because I feel like this shit gets used against women all the time. The the menstruation, she's unstable because the menstruation, we can't have a female president because of the menstruation and the hormones leak. Yes, it's exact. Yes, it is. This is some real world stuff right here. Mm -hmm. So after the dinner, right, they set it up. So Toric and some consort, is that Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, some consort. So they're both, so Toric is around Maddox size and the concert, concert, consort is around uh, Yavin size, right? And so they're like, here, you go pretend to be us, right? Go pretend to be us on our, we- I want to say wedding night, but moon night, right? So you're having sex because Yavin knows her brother really well. And it's like, he's going to try to sneak in and stab you, and not stab, but just kill you, right? While you're having sex. Because he thinks that will be unguarded. Mm-hmm. And so they set up this trap and it works, although they have to wait almost all night. So he almost misses Yvine's moon night. Um, but he does, he he interrogates her brother though first to find out what he was like, what he meant at dinner about her mother. 
which annoyed me. But I love that he kills him, cuts off the head, and brings it to Yamid. And then she drops it in the water. She's just like, bye. And it's floating around, right, for a second. And then a beast comes and eats it. And it's gone. Um, It's also, so all of this is taking place at a village. It's called Drom. It's before they cross the sea. Mm -hmm. Uh, While they're there, they run into, so one of Vila, the goddess Vila, one of her temples is there. And Yavin has the sight of the goddess Vila. So she can feel her kind of like hanging out in the back of her consciousness, seeing through her. And so she go, they go to Vila's temple for a blessing. And I, so we, we learn a little bit more about the moon night at this point. And I think that the idea of a moon night is really interesting. So it's a big deal. It's like a celebration. The first time a person has like penetrative intercourse with someone, um, they have to wait until a full moon. There are consorts available to help people get through this. Uh, I guess you pay them. I don't know, but that's nice. Um, and it's like a celebrated thing. And I love that outside the temple, there's a lady peddling uh, phalluses. In yes. Just like a, a lady with her cart with dildos and lube. Like, does anybody need anything? Have we prepared? And the Parsithians are all very into this, mm-hmm. which is a funny moment because the lady comes by and she's like, they're all like, mm, what do you have? We're going to be on a boat for four weeks. We probably need some more lube. Better stock up. <laughs> um, and so she offers like, I guess, a dildo, right? She's like, mm-hmm. oh, pick out one with like which one is most like his size right meaning medic size Mm -hmm. and so she picks like a mid-sized one and everyone's like snickering at him Mm -hmm. and he's like you have to take a better look and then she asks, how do I make it swell and person's like that's that's not how it works and she's like oh then it's not here yeah so when they're in that town right and Vila's there and they're at Vila's temple Right there at Vila's temple. Vila appears. And Vila appears. And she talks to each dragon member. uh, Right? Each of them? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. She talks to each of them. And Matic, though, isn't super respectful of her. Right? He's not, like, mean about it or anything. But he just doesn't like what she's saying to um, Yavin. He doesn't like it because it's like i'm i'm the best she shouldn't have picked anybody else whatever but so he's a protector yeah i'll be a protector so he speaks when she didn't speak to him you know and she goes do not speak to me unbidden warrior as you would have as you would take the tongue of my chosen for speaking what you do not wish to hear so i would take yours and i know and I know not how you will be Ron and speak for all of your people if I do. I was like, yes, <laughs> tell him off. Mm-hmm. Later on when she like whispers to him and she tells him that unless he has a warrior's heart, he will lose Yveen. <laughs> just that interaction with Vila just did not go well for Matic at all in any way. And then 
she gives him loop so it turns out that he needs this later on like they heal it heals him when he gets poisoned by uh, seal sealac venom but she gives him lube and it's just so shady about it it's like here you go you're gonna need this basically implying that he won't be able to get uh yuvine turned on enough to have sex i I love maddox being told off doesn't matter who really vila doing it yuvine doing it it's great his warriors doing it Mm -hmm. i like how uh I like how his warriors are kind of protective of Yuvine and mm-hmm. they try to teach her like how to hunt and things like that. Cause she wants to be a warrior goddess. She wants to be good at her job. She wants to be successful and actually, you know, I mean, she's taken all of this seriously. Even Maddox is, if Maddox is being a butthead about things. Um, and so I like that they help her, especially Bannock, you know, he uh, really seems to care for her. And I like that for her because besides her mom and her brother Tyson, she hasn't really had people to care for her. So there's one chapter from Maddox's point of view and he's watching Yvine and it's raining and he's like, oh, put your hood up so you don't get stuck in the rain, you know, and you stay dry. Er, But she's got her head tilted up. She's enjoying the rain on her face. And he realizes that he's like, I saw her do this before with the sun, even though it burned her face, which by the way, ow, painful. But um, even though it burned her face, and he's like, oh, it's because she hasn't experienced any of this. She's been stuck in the tower with windows boarded up, like having to look out little holes as best as she could to see the world. She's never experienced rain or the sunlight on her like this. And so he gives in and he's like, fine, do whatever you want. But it gave me uh, Throne of Glass vibes when um, Dorian and Kale first get Selena out of Endovier. Thank you. I could not remember the name of the camp. Endovier. And she's looking up, or like she's like looking up and having the sun on her face. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we get so much of it. Like, I mean, just her like being on grass or something, you know? experiencing all of this stuff is so different to her and that makes me think of so we find out that she and her mother tried to escape right so she strengthened herself up um and she was trying to like carry her mother and her mother had described to her what stairs were but she hadn't really experienced stairs in that way so they fell down the stairs and that's how her mother died mm-hmm. and she mentioned she's like all because i didn't know that i couldn't walk on stairs the way that I could on flat ground. It's like. That's really sad. It is so sad. It's so sad. And now she's always, her knee was smashed. And so she has trouble with stairs for that reason too. But it would be traumatizing in general, just with stairs. Yeah. And we see that in the way that she interacts with food too. So she's like she never had fish before that was one of the the millipedes she ate a millipede Mm -hmm. everything like every new food she's like I want to try it she's very interested in all of the the foods Maddox makes a comment about it he's like for every animal they've seen she always asks about if it's good eating or not (laughs) (laughs) I mean I would want to know that too wouldn't you Yes, it's one of my points. He says that would be good for eating. I think I'd probably be asking that too. Although I don't think I could eat a millipede. It sounds like the way they were talking about like sucking it through the legs or something, though, it reminded me of lobster, the way you eat lobster. 
So I thought, uh, have you seen The Emperor's New Groove? Yep. I know exactly what you're thinking of because I thought of that too. The beetle where they suck the juice uh-huh. out of the straw. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's what I thought of. So there was quite a bit of sex in this book. Mm-hmm. What I like is that there were a lot of non-penetrative scenes. Mm-hmm. There were. And they were delightful. I mean, they were just as good to me as the penetrative scenes. Um, and I like that that is included because so much enjoyment and intimacy can come from physical interactions with another people. And it doesn't have to include a penis and a vagina. Yep. And they were very creative. They were I, really creative. They were creative. The, so there's one scene where they, they're on the statue mm-hmm. and yep. they're on the statue and she, so they can't actually have sex because it's not moon night yet. Uh, and so he, she's, she wants him to fill her. I hate saying the word sheath so much. <laughs> it's horrible right it's a horrible word she wants him to ejaculate into her basically without actually penetrating her there's a lot of mention of bodily fluids in this book and it kind of freaks me out yeah don't and that's just personal preference um so we got scenes like that there's a good bit of like oral sex scenes, which are spectacular. Um, we get some just manual stimulation. Also love that. And then the actual, the actual sex scenes where there is penetration are really, I, I enjoy the way that they're written to what I love about all of this is that there's so much care given to the female party. They spend a lot of time on foreplay. They spend a lot of time making sure that the female is lubricated. Um, they spend, they have lubricant if it's needed. Um, there's no, like, it's not forceful. He's very kind. Maddox is very kind to Yavin and he takes great care with her. And I love that. And especially for this character, because she's not had anyone to show her a lot of kindness or care in her life. Yavin is super, super turned on because she can hear. So she's sharing a room with the rest of his dragon and Ardil, Ardil and Kalir have brought in one of the, the serving servant girls to have a threesome with her. And so Yuvin can hear it and she can kind of see it and it, she gets really aroused from it, but she doesn't know what to do. She's never masturbated before. Yes. She doesn't know how to climax. And so Maddox comes in and she's super uh, aroused and she's like, I don't know what to do. And his response to her is hysterical. He says, how can this not be known? If I were locked in a tower with nothing else to do, my hand would be upon my cock as often as upon my sword. Uh, uh, that surprises no one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I cannot imagine what I would do if I had a penis. Like if a penis for a day, the entire day would be spent masturbating. I think it's just right there. How convenient is that? I know. I really am so curious. Maybe one day they'll invent something so we can know what it's like. Oh, maybe like a virtual reality thing. Oh, virtual reality penis. Yeah. That sounds like so weird. Let's invent that. Yes. Down. So we get to the end of the book. And uh, Maddox finally pulls his head out of his ass. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, first he gets, they go and they fight the Sissians um, and they realize that they've been bewitched basically. So they, I think they have to kill everyone, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And Maddox gets poisoned with Silek mm-hmm. venom and they use the lubricant that Vila gave him and it, the, it's magic healing lube. And so he, that and his strong will keep him alive. And he's like, all right, I got to go rescue my lady. Um, I love that he he shows up to Sissia and the whole village is like, yes, this is the rebellious moment we've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. And they all are in support. And they're like, we're doing this. We're ready. Um, and so super on board with that. But like, even at the end of the book, Yavin thinks that he's coming to kill her. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if that doesn't scream communication issues to you, I don't know what else would. She's like, just make it quick. And he's like, but I love you. (laughs) Maybe you should have communicated a little better, Maddox. Probably. Yeah. Anyway, the day is saved. Uh, Her father is killed. Huzzah! Crazy. It's wonderful. (laughs) They get married in the courtyard, you know, on top of his blood, which is still in the courtyard. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get into the, and then that's it. And then we move into an epilogue and it's been two years and they're sending people out and Yuvine is working on her mission from Vila. But what I love about this whole thing is that they are smart enough to not start having children right in the middle of a massive quest. Mm -hmm. A big war is about to start and they're like, we are not going to reproduce right now. Love it. Thank you. Yep. (laughs) I was also quite relieved by that. I couldn't remember how it um, ended because especially because throughout most of the book, they're talking about breeding. Like specifically, that is what they say, breed, hate that, Um, but whatever. And so then they do finally get together uh, and everything's happy. They're all happy, but uh, they don't, they don't go and have kids right away because they're not idiots. Because they're good planners. Mm Mm-hmm. And they know a war is a coming and a war zone is no place for a baby. Yep. Let's do our favorite quotes then. Yes, let's. So I picked, so uh, Vila says this to Yvine. Whatever strength you imagine you have, it is as you imagined at the sea. You'll find it is so much more than you believed. I love that. Um, so I guess a little bit of context if you haven't read the book. When Yvine first sees the sea, she's shocked how it goes on forever and ever, right? So I love this comparison for her and for Vila to tell her this. It's a great visual. And you know, Yvine knows she's really strong, but this just reinforces it. And I really like that. That's a good pet talk. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So my favorite quote is a bit lengthy, but I'm going to do it anyway, because this is the declaration of love that we really needed eight pages before the book was over. So (laughs) Maddox, when he busts into Yuvine's tower and is like, I'm here to save you. She's like, just kill me quickly. And he's like, oh no. So he says to her, do you not know that I would tear my heart from my chest before I would ever harm you? 
what have I done? Never saying this to you, never telling you these words that I should have said over and over again. What have I done that you do not know how I would ride across the world just to lay my gaze upon your face? That I would crawl there on the mere hope of knowing your touch again. What have I done that as I kneel here, you still do not know that with my full heart, I love you. It's so sweet. It is really sweet. We really, you know, we really needed that. Yes. <laughs> Coming on the heels of all of the crap he put her through up to this point. We really needed this declaration of love. Mm-hmm. It's really, it is very sweet and heartfelt. And it's a really good moment for our characters. I would say it's probably one of the, in terms of like declaration of love speeches, it's probably one of my favorite that we've read of the, the ones that we've read. It's probably one of my favorites. So I agree. I liked it. It was done. Well, good job, Maddox. Finally, good job to you. All right. Final thoughts. I really enjoyed this book. I have not read the prequel or the second one. I will get around to it at some point though because I enjoyed this first one. So I know the other ones are going to be good. Yeah. The one that comes after this, um, there is a, probably one of my favorite, it's not even a penetrative sex scene. Actually, it may be, I can't completely remember right now, but it is spectacular. It is probably one of my favorite sex scenes that I have read. It is so good. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh. It's like in a bath or something. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. So um, not that you should just read books for sex, but if you like books with sex, it's got some good sex. Um, Yeah, I really enjoyed this book. The second book is is really good too. I haven't read the prequel, but it's just because my TBR list is so long. (laughs) So that wraps up A Heart of Blood and Ashes. Join us next week. We will actually be talking about God's <laughs> grave from Jay Kristoff. Um, and, and, um, and yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.